Hi, I'm Alex Attili. And I'm Sarah Stoffer. And you're listening to Spilling, Spilling the, tea the Tea with CCE. This podcast features fellows at Hofstra University's Center for Civic Engagement as they talk about a wide range of topics from current events to social movements, as well as issues that affect our daily lives. From healthcare to mental health, nothing is off the table. This podcast was created in spring 2020 to continue the conversations we had on campus in a virtual way. And we're so happy to have you here spilling the tea with us. Even though Hofstra's CCE is back to running in-person programming, we had such a positive experience with this podcast that it is now a permanent part of CCE operations. Now, let's spill the tea. Hello, and welcome back to Spilling the Tea with CCE. My name is Bella. I'm a senior fellow here graduating in the spring. So excited to be recording potentially my last podcast for Spilling the Tea with CCE. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by one of my very good and longtime friends, John. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's my pleasure as well to be here. Uh, My name is John. I'm a senior year finance major here at Hofstra. Like Bella said, we go way back. We've been friends since very beginning of freshman year, actually. I uh, live in the same building, so that's uh, quite a long time now. I know, so I'm so excited to sort of end our university career together like this. Uh, the concept for this episode was also completely generated by John. I'm so excited to uh kind of explain what it is it's this hot seat concept where he has come up with a couple questions and topics that he will be sharing at random i have no idea what they are and it's sort of this hot seat conversation that we'll have go through a couple questions together uh, and reflect on whatever prompts and topics he has in store so i guess i will pass it over to john to throw out the first question all right yeah i've got a a pretty good list here just over 20 any longtime listeners ever want to know bella better here's your chance oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) so i guess we'll just get started I'm going to go down my list. It might, it starts like pretty humorous and then we'll get down to like maybe a bit deeper. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Well, I guess we'll start easy. If money was no object, what would you do all day? This is so fitting because we're both business majors and uh, a lot of my work with the fellowship focuses on like sustainable and ethical business. And a big thing about that is like money and careers and, you know, how our time is valued and I love the idea of just not having that as a factor and I feel like you and I have talked about this so Mm -hmm. I want your insight too but for me I would move to a cabin in the Pacific Northwest woods on like a San Juan Island Uh, look it up if you don't know what it looks like it's stunning and I would have a garden and two cats and a big bookshelf and a reading nook and i would read and grow plants which i don't even think i have a green thumb but in my in in my visions i'm like a plant goddess and i would just live my best life pursuing all of my favorite hobbies what about you because i feel like we have kind of similar yeah we do like cabin in the woods yeah first though what color are the cats what color? Okay, I have like fully thought about this and discussed this with people in my life. There is one like tabby orange cat and one black and white cat, okay. and one is really youthful and one's like really old and got like a lot of fluff, and they live in like like to hang out in the garden boxes. Okay, like, I like that. Fully realized vision right here. We got personalities for the cats now too. <laughs> Yeah. So for me, I guess um, I love to be up north, mm-hmm. uh, New England forest. Maybe uh, own a farm or barn, ride a horse when I'm old. Mm-hmm. Uh, just hiking outdoors, exploring—that's the big thing. Yeah, I feel like we're totally the same in that. In sort of like getting back to the places that we grew up and just yeah. actually getting a chance to enjoy the nature mm-hmm. there seems to be like a common thread. Yeah. Maybe okay, like going west too. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe where you're from, Washington would be fun too. Yeah. But so I don't know. Just something yeah. about home is nice too. But the best part is when this happens for both of us, because obviously it will. 
we can just visit each other. Yeah. And then you'll get the west and the east coast. It's like no different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, question number two then. Where do you most want to travel but have never been? This is such a good question because I got to check some things off my list because I studied abroad, which I mentioned in a previous podcast episode, shameless plug, um, lifting mask mandates, look at it. Um, And I think for me, that gave me a lot of experience in Europe, a lot of travel experience. Um, And I think the big thing, the big place that I would love to see that I never have is somewhere in Asia. Mm. I would like that's just a place like very generally speaking no mention of countries yet Um, (laughs) but just somewhere that I've never been I made a friend in South Korea I would love to go visit her Mm -hmm. I was supposed to before the pandemic go to China that I never got that opportunity Um, and that's just like a cultural region that I have never visited. I've been able mm. to visit Africa and Europe as regions. We're from mm-hmm. the US. So I feel like the big missing piece in my global experiences and worldview is like that region of the world. Yeah, that's cool. What about you? Um, I definitely lean more towards outdoorsy mm. kind of stuff. True. I do like uh, Europe and uh, the cities and the medieval stuff. Mm-hmm. I like art, of course. So uh, I think I guess anywhere with a nice museum would be good. Yeah. But for a specific place that I would love to like, have a vision for, probably Alaska. Oh. So I've never been uh, yeah. up to Alaska, but I'd love to do like a summer or just maybe like two weeks in the summer, like bushcraft, plane, mm-hmm. salmon fishing or something. It just seems a lot of fun. So I've been out west, I've been to Yellowstone, mm-hmm. um, been up north, been to Quebec, Prince Edward Island, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think Alaska would be a lot of fun. It totally would. And I want to see a black bear and a grizzly bear. Bears. I want to see a grizzly. Because there's just so much nature. Yeah. Like, and it's actually been maintained. And yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, I've been to Iceland twice now, too. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, giant mountains, mm-hmm. all the great outdoors. But I like, haven't been to Alaska yet. So I'm like, I should go. You should. I think, I think I should go. Yeah. And then while you're there, you can see other places on the West Coast or Canada, the West Coast of yeah, Canada, you know, I've never too. been to the West Coast. Like, I've flown mm-hmm. out of, like, San Francisco once, but, like, I never left the airport. Yeah, the West Coast has a lot of good nature mm-hmm. um, that's been really well preserved. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, I'd like to uh, go to Washington. I mm-hmm. think Pacific Northwest would be fun. Yeah, there you get, and I'm sure it's very similar in Alaska. There's kind of a melting pot of everything, mm-hmm. and it's all evergreen, so it stays beautiful like year round. So that means there's never a bad time to go. Well. Alaskan winter? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe, uh, but... maybe the summer. We'll keep it to the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll take that one off. I'm learning so much about you too, though. This is great. I <laughs> guess I'm in the hot seat too. <laughs> uh, what would you like to have as your legacy? Oh, it would jump in from like, where do you want to travel God. to where's the legacy? Okay. Um, I... And this is another thing about, like, being interested in, like, discussions of, like, business and ethics. A big question is, like, defining your passions outside of your work. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's a very valuable thing to reflect on. Because the bad thing is, when I think about legacy, I immediately think about work. Mm. And the jobs that I want to have and the impact that I want to have through those jobs. And maybe that's, it's not a bad thing to find purpose in your work, but part of me is like, wow, I'm 21. And for some reason, my vision of myself is already so rooted in my work, even though I have never had a full-time job before, (laughs) (laughs) like true employment. Mm -hmm. Um, So the legacy that first comes to mind is like working in a field um, of like, CSR, sustainability, that sort of redefines business and makes it better for people. 
um, mm. and more serviceable to the community and the environment. Um, and hopefully, you know, making business that doesn't take you so far away from your passions and um, sort of redefining well, how we spend our time as humans and all that stuff. But like, what about my, what about your passions? Like, what about yeah. you outside of that? I gotta say, very on brand for a CC fellow <laughs> <laughs> response. So. Um, but like, well, first I want to hear about your legacy. But also, do you do you feel like you are in touch with you just as John and not like John the student or John the yeah, employee? I, I think so as well. As far as like a work legacy specifically. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm remembered for, I don't know, being like competent or like reliable, <laughs> that's good enough. Really. You know, maybe when I'm gone, the next New Year's party, they'll be like, remember John? He was a good guy. Yeah, I remember John. You know, that that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't care exactly like what I'm doing, where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the legacy means a lot more as like me and like maybe my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 21. I don't have kids yet. I don't think so, at least. <laughs> I thought about this, but I don't think so. Um but down the line, I want to have a family, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to be known as just, like, being a good dad, maybe. Yeah. You know, being reliable, maybe, a, you know, a good neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, a good dad, a good husband. So yeah. that's nothing too crazy, I think. I know I don't want to be writing my name in, you know, the annals of history and all that. <laughs> but I think just something nice, just well-respected, mm-hmm. quiet is fine with me. I can learn a lot from that. Because it's true, it's like, at the end of the day... When you sit down and you look back on everything that you've done, the stuff that sits with you, even like looking back on your college experience, the stuff that will stick with me is not, I mean, I learned a lot from my classes and Mm -hmm. my relationships with faculty and my work. But at the end of the day, it's the people that I spent my time with and the memories that I made with them. So on a very Mm -hmm. small scale of thinking about legacy, you're definitely right. The most important thing is your relationships with the people you surround yourself with. At least, like, what I think I'll carry from mm-hmm. college. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so. Maybe you'll think about that. You're sm- I, really, <laughs> I really do need to think about that, and I, employer, I, and I implore anyone who's listening to also consider, like, who are you outside of the stuff that you feel like you have to do? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Thanks! <laughs> you know, there's plenty more like that, too, down the line. Uh, I don't remember that one being so high up. In the next one, even, is uh, what motivated you to choose your profession? So I'm not sure the legacy oh. one was, like, so high up there. Um, what motivated you to choose your profession? So, as I've said a million times by now in this podcast, I won't say it again after this, um, like, sustainable and ethical business. Mm-hmm. I think... The big turning point for me, which I actually haven't told many people this story, so you'll get the inside oh, scoop right. here, is picture this. It's our freshman year. We're taking like all of our intro to business courses. We have one that both of us went through where you kind of like get a taste of every um, mm. area of business in like a couple week chunks and you rotate through like different faculty and just all these intro courses. And alongside it, I was taking some of my liberal arts requirements Mm. Uh, Hofstra's a liberal arts institution great because it exposed me to things like this I was sitting and watching a panel on the prison industrial complex and I learned that which I did not know before this uh, that prison labor was still being used by companies Mm -hmm. like and I specifically remember this examples of primarily like constructing office furniture and Starbucks, which this was at this point four years ago. I'm not sure how accurate those statements are now, although I'm sure prison labor is still exploited today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sat there like my world was rocked. <laughs> I guess I had very naive uh, assumptions about business mm-hmm. and exploitation and labor. And I was like, I can't just take business classes I need I I need and I want to be having conversations like this about what's actually happening in the real world. And I had a conversation with my teacher for that class and I said, "I don't think I can just take business classes. I think that will really uh give me a specific worldview and not give me the full give me a full understanding of current events and what's happening." And she said, 
I think a great way to do that would be to join the Center for Civic Engagement. Mm. And she <laughs> is who recommended me to join the center. And here we are. And I'm so thankful because I do think it's allowed me to explore these areas of business and eventually decide that that's where I want to go. Um, but what about you? Because I know that more insider scoop for all these listeners, your career, first career out of college is connected to, but perhaps not what would what someone would typically expect of your major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I guess first, I'm a finance major, like I stated at the beginning, but I got into business as like a major uh, in my university pursuit because of my parents. Um, my dad is a software engineer, but he does creating like programs for fintech. So that's that kind of connection. And my mother was an accountant. So she, you know, did accounting, Johnson Wales got her a like an MBA and then focused on finance and accounting as well. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh I still kind of don't. I'm not anymore now, like as of like 2 weeks ago, 3 weeks ago. <laughs> but I still wasn't even like fully solidified in what I want to do specifically. Even like within the world of finance, there's so many options, mm-hmm. right? There's like investment banking, although it's not cool anymore. It's not like 1980. <laughs> uh, sorry if you do investment banking where that's your pursuit. I won't judge. <laughs> um, you can do like corporate finance, smaller mm-hmm. stuff, start your own business. But um, like what Bella said, I actually got involved with a club that she's the president of. So thank you, actually. <laughs> Uh, although you weren't the president that semester because you were studying abroad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a uh, consulting work and it was never on my radar. I always considered consulting a much later in life kind mm-hmm. of position or title because you need experience to consult, right? No matter what. Like, mm-hmm. But it's so interesting. I During my job application, my job hunt last semester, where I was really cranking down on it, I was applying to everything left and right for finance. It was like business tag. I was like, apply. <laughs> so I was applying to, you know, like banking, uh, credit analysis, insurance, everything. And I applied to one uh, consulting position. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up taking that offer because I mm-hmm. went through the process, got the offer, and I ended up signing it like a day later, uh, which is really exciting. I'm really happy with the way it's looking, my job what I'm going to be doing in it from what I've been hearing. I'm pretty excited about it. And so I never thought about consulting being that future for me. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like three weeks ago, it's just like, that's what I'm doing. Oh, Very interesting. It's so cool. So congratulations yeah, thank on you. your full-time offer and more civic engagement plugs. The consulting club that John and I are both a part of uh, consults for nonprofits mm-hmm. in the community. So it's, a really cool opportunity uh, to work, you know, with organizations who their most valuable resource is time yeah. and to take s- some of that burden off their shoulders. And as students get that valuable experience at the same time is really cool. And now you get to continue that with other companies, which yeah. is pretty that's, great. This is, feels now like I'm interviewing again all of a sudden. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are kind of in a, like a very casual interview right now. But, um, <laughs> When I was actually like applying to the company I'm working for now, mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do consulting work, because I didn't realize the close tie until doing 180 Consulting, was like the volunteering feeling of helping the community mm-hmm. with actually having a career out of that. Because I grew up doing a lot of uh, volunteering work. Mm-hmm. For all four years in high school, I volunteered at a local church near my high school. So I did that every week. And that became like part of my schedule and part of who I was. Mm-hmm. And I got very involved with that. And then even last semester on campus, right, I uh, I volunteered to clean up Jones Beach nearby because mm-hmm. I just like volunteering and helping the community. And then doing 180 was like we're working with local not-for-profits as well. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And then going to full-time work with consulting, the region I'm going to be in is my home where I grew up. So in some ways I am also still connected mm-hmm. to my community. So I'm really happy about that. It's really cool. And then you'll also get to connect with a variety of community organizations because Mm. the best part is you're constantly having new, you know, clients come on and always something new to do. So super cool. Yeah. All right. Great work. What single thing would you change about the world if you could? 
I know another oh big one. Oh my gosh. Really throwing you for oh a loop on these. Oh my gosh. Well, I, okay. This takes me back to, I don't remember why I'm remembering this so specifically, but uh, I would go to overnight summer camp as a child and <laughs> just trust me where this is going, okay? And at the end of every night, the counselor is supposed to have like an icebreaker sort of question to get everybody thinking so you can bond as like a cabin mm-hmm. and it can be super silly or super thought-provoking and meaningful and i definitely think they asked a question like this and my counselor at the time her answer was how people communicate like improving mm-hmm. communication and the examples she was giving i was like wow that makes so much sense like in terms of like non-violent non-confrontational communication mm-hmm. um if we all could just better understand each other and communicate and value each other's opinions and perspectives uh it could probably lead to a lot of good mm-hmm. in terms of <clears throat> a lot of different kinds of conflicts and angers that yeah. we see but i don't I'm not sure if that sounds really like naively hopeful, uh, but I guess well, that's I mean, sort the of the whole, point the of the question. And of course, then I also think about like going back to our roots in business, of course. Sorry, listeners. Um, this is just <laughs> well, like. There's the podcast, right? <laughs> um, I also think about a lot about like the inherent flaws of capitalism but we don't need to get into that um so i think i'll leave my answer at good communication like improved communication if we all just respected each other and listened to each other and valued other people's thoughts maybe life would be better it's very very thoughtful okay what about you i'm turning the question to me i think the cop-out answer is like i wish everyone was happier Mm. kind of in the same route of like communication i think i would view it as like two routes to the same end yeah um there's just so much like negativity i feel like Mm -hmm. i think if people just took time to like really appreciate and like love the things that were around them Mm -hmm. uh would really help and like one of the things i started doing last semester was uh every day when i woke up after i showered well, I would take a cold shower, and it really just, like, jolt me awake. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, I would journal. I'd write three things I was excited for or happy about for the day. I and I wouldn't start my day until I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, that transformed into, like, I pray every night now. Mm-hmm. And so every night when I pray in my bedstand, I think about uh, the number of things that I'm truly grateful for that happened that day. And I really, like, they're, like, thought-provoking. They're not just, like, you know, I'm thankful for my friends and my family today. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, really, like, I'm thankful about, like, this small thing that happened. I'm thankful for this opportunity that was given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, thankful for someone giving me their time to like train me or do something today. You know that kind of stuff really helps me feel better and like happier, right? I'm more mm-hmm. appreciative of the things around me, and like I feel like my moods improved a lot more, mm-hmm. more motivated to get things done. So I think if people just were happier, more appreciative for the things around them, shared like shared some more love, that'd be a, a better thing for the world. That's I love that so much. I think like gratitude and gratitude journaling i love a good journal it's something that i personally should really also invest time in uh because it's so i have it here it's in the same notebook but like literally i start with gratitude Mm -hmm. comma kindness then today is blank Mm -hmm. and then like three things i was happy for that's so great because it does make you sit back and think about even the smallest things and even if you find everybody can find their own way of doing that but it'll be so great like sometimes really small things that I do is like if I have a positive thought about someone if I'm thinking about someone if they post something on social media and I'm like wow this is great like I love this content Mm -hmm. usually I just kind of keep it to myself and keep it pushing but I've tried to push myself to comment or reach out or say something because who doesn't like a compliment it makes us all feel good so Mm -hmm. that I guess that's like my small version but um really gratitude and reflection go a long way and i definitely need to spend more time investing in that Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm also reading this book right now called no impact man which is about this uh guy that 
spent a year in New York City trying to have no like n- negative environmental impact essentially mm. and he reflects on the fact of like we're all so we are upholding these systems and these ways of life but we're also unhappy while doing it mm. and he sort of reflects on this fact of like we can change how we live and take a moment to appreciate and value the things in our life and in turn maybe find a little more more joy and appreciation as well for like the natural environment and mm. the materials that we use every day good responses i'd say for a pretty tough question <laughs> we're doing so good i know making the way down slowly but surely too mm-hmm. uh what's your most significant current challenge we i think just talked about this before recording or actually technically in the middle of recording um we're in like a communal space at school and there's a bunch of study rooms and people in the study room next to us were having a passionate conversation about something getting really excited their voices were a little loud so i went to go go let them know that we're recording this and john could hear me try and advocate for us i was very much apologetic even though nobody had done anything wrong Mm -hmm. very much feeling like kind of letting them almost being like a pushover but not very assertive i was not being assertive Mm -hmm. um and i definitely have the tendency to not advocate for myself and it's pretty when you step back and look at it from the outside it's pretty silly it's not being assertive in things that in reality, if I was assertive, people would not be rubbed the wrong way. They would not have been bothered that I politely and assertively asked mm-hmm. them to like, be conscious of their voice level. Or if I am working with somebody and I need to advocate that I need more time or I've been given too much work, that's something that they'll respect, mm-hmm. but I still have a lot of trouble doing it. Or even like with friends, if I need something i'm afraid to ask for and it's silly because we've been friends for years and Mm. i'm still like i don't want to be an inconvenience but you nobody who cares about me would take it that way so Mm. that's definitely my biggest challenge okay so it's pretty respectable (laughs) it's glad that you know where you want to work on too yeah i think knowing where you're weak and improving that is pretty important in its own right yeah, and it's not a bad thing to add. It's so funny because I can recognize it and see it from the outside and know that where I want to be isn't like it's not bad to advocate for yourself. It's not bad to tell people how you feel. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I still have that emotional barrier. Mm. We're getting deep. Okay, anyways, <laughs> um, what is your answer? Uh,. A current challenge is mm-hmm. just getting through the semester. Yeah. <laughs> right, having to, that's very much lighter about the topic, but just having a job lined up starting mm-hmm. the summer. I'm looking forward to it a lot. I'm really mm-hmm. excited and ready to go home and see my family. So just surviving the last semester, getting through a couple last tough classes that I saved for the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting through that, staying motivated for my work to finish up that's that's about it yeah the senioritis <laughs> is yeah the senioritis in. it's just the senioritis <laughs> but that's true yeah i think it's a uh, nice to have something that isn't overbearing or crushing me from the inside either yeah and it's a rite of passage in a way it is it is yeah to feel ready for the next chapter and it's probably a good sign that you do yeah that you feel ready for what's ahead yeah. ready for the next chapter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay let's move on uh, which outdoor activities do you enjoy the most? I love this. Um, one, skiing. I feel like it's probably the one sport that I enjoy. Um, I, I guess in some ways it's probably because you get to be connected to nature. There's an element of like solitude, a lack of competition. I've never done it competitively. Uh, and there's just... I would always do it with my brother, so sort of fond memories of us Mm. skiing together, Uh, and 
you, there's sort of this excitement that builds up as you prepare for ski season and getting back onto the trails mm. and just getting to be in the snow and getting excited when there's new snowfall and all that stuff. Uh, outside of that, other outdoor activities, I mean, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, we are very rooted in outdoor activities. I would do like canoeing and camping mm -hmm. and hiking and kayaking and paddle boarding and all that. Uh, but there's not many that I've invested time in outside of like activities that I've just been a part of, like class trips or trips with friends. I think the biggest thing now is I have a hammock, mm -hmm. like a like a, I want to call it a camping hammock. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but it's a hammock that you string up in the trees and you can pack it up and take it with you and all that good stuff. And every summer uh, I go with my boyfriend into the park and we string up the hammock and we bring lunch and we read. And mm, it's like very nice. the best thing ever. Yeah, um, that's only fun. It sounds like the best time because it is um <laughs> and you know it's so fun too you go and look for your trees where you want to string up you've got a good view the breeze is blowing it's nice out uh, and i do it on campus occasionally uh it's just really doesn't hit as hard um, as being in the, in the pacific northwest <laughs> yeah, huh? a little bit of a different view being in like <laughs> a public park versus like right outside of our residence hall yeah. <laughs> um but I would say those are probably my two, the thing, the two things that I return to the most regularly, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, That's good. What about you? Um, I think just hiking and mm -hmm. being outside. I like walking out in the woods too. Uh, I'm a very reflective person. Mm -hmm. So having um, that time alone outside in nature, very, now I think about it, very like Henry David Thoreau of me. <laughs> it's funny because like Walden Pond is like, 15 minutes away from where I live and I grew up in the whole like transcendentalist like area so <laughs> now that I'm just thinking about it I've never made that connection before um but yeah I really like uh hiking uh and all just all kinds of those outdoor activities collected in the same group so mm -hmm. like fishing hunting all that kind of stuff combined together like my one thing my brother does every year that I really want to start doing on my own too mm -hmm. him and three of his friends uh, every summer do a canoeing, fishing, camping week-long trip Whoa. in uh, Umbagog near like New Hampshire, Maine, up north. And they they like start they camp, they like park, and then get in a canoe and they're gone. Mm -hmm. They do two people, two canoe, and they mm -hmm. do like they do like a ridiculous amount of miles in the water the entire trip. And they do like three or four campsites, mm -hmm. and so every day they have to like canoe to the next campsite, set up camp fish for their food it's mm -hmm. like the whole it just sounds like a lot <laughs> yeah. of fun to me i like that more hardcore ish type outdoor stuff like getting your own food um but i'm not also like spend a month outdoor straight kind of deal. <laughs> it's a bit, that's a bit much for me still mm -hmm. maybe later i mean i grew up also with woods in my backyard so that makes a lot of sense being out there as a kid my favorite thing was just after school going outside exploring adventuring even in my own backyard. So very thankful for that. Yeah, and I recently uh, did this <clears throat> project for my sustainability class where I was looking at the benefits of spending time outdoors, especially mm. for college students. And I found this really cool research that even 15 minutes outside, 15, 15 minutes, and it can even be in like your college sort of, landscape of just lawns and mm -hmm. trees uh, doesn't even have to be full outdoors there are dramatic benefits of like reduced stress and anxiety and blood pressure and like even more medical things that i could not recount accurately right now but even just like 15 minutes mm -hmm. outside and like a walk in the woods ooh, yeah that'll fix you right up like i've never walked out of an experience in nature more like stressed than i began um maybe if you're doing something high stakes like 
canoeing and hunting and fishing for your own food, but <laughs> at least a good old walk, I usually leave feeling pretty good. I've got the, the fun question down here, which is somewhat related. About, have you ever had any supernatural encounters? Because I did have one, and it was like related to the woods, and that was scary. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> kind maybe, of on topic, maybe not everybody leaves the woods feeling good about I think it. I'm in the minority there, too. So. <laughs> Do you want to answer that question now, though? Or is that like, should, yeah, we, sure, should we respect the. No, yeah, we can jump. I yeah. mean, also, I mean, we have, we've done like eight questions. Mm-hmm. So we can jump. Um, supernatural encounter story. This is such a. Such a wild story, uh, just recounting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I feel like all my friends get like amazed when I tell it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're skeptical. Maybe okay. they're just scared. I don't know. But um, this story really becomes like who I am. Uh, being from the woods in New England, we've got our whole host of supernatural stuff going all mm-hmm. the way back, right? From Salem witch trials to more recent is like the Dover Demon is like another local Massachusetts tale. Um, but there's always been like the supernatural element, something peculiar, peculiar and scary about seeing like haunted woods kind mm-hmm. of thing. I'm a big woods horror fan too, <laughs> maybe because of the story too, but I'll, I'll jump in now. Um, back in like high school, maybe like 15, 16, uh, I was still doing like martial arts. So very like brave teen, <laughs> nothing can stop me kind of thing. And in those woods in my backyard, they actually, the section I'm in is pretty big, but it expands all the way up to, like, the big woods, all the way up mm-hmm. north, like, Quebec. And so, when I was, like, 15 or 16, this was the winter time, so after I got out of school, uh, early sunset kind of deal, I was out in the woods uh, working out, I was, like, carrying a rock by stream, I still remember this very clearly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when my brother and I were young, very young, like children playing out in the woods, like playing army and that kind of stuff, <laughs> we had built a like a, a fake fire pit by the base of a tree, which, you know, is dangerous. Don't do that. Uh, we never lit it, of course. We were just kids. <laughs> but there was a fire pit out there that I knew about that was probably 50 to 100 yards away from where I was. And I was just out there minding my own business. And I saw, this is like 3 p.m., Sun's getting low now. This is New England. Just the sun gets low that early. <laughs> but I saw smoke coming from where that was when I was a kid. And I was like, no way. There's someone else out here as crazy as I am in this like <laughs> freezing winter, uh, just like in the snowy woods. And then uh, me being like an idiot, I guess, I was like, man, I have to know who is out here like lighting a fire in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I start making my way down towards this fire pit. And it's in this like a bed of really tall old evergreens so immediately the woods get really dark when you get there because the sun doesn't go through the um the 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 leaves but as i get closer like every step i take i'm like more and more like scared like the feeling that something's wrong hair rising like and i get it gets to the point where i get to the tree where the fire pit is the fire pit's on the other side Mm -hmm. so i'm at the back of this tree and I'm staring down this tree, and I can't hear anything. The woods are completely silent. I, like, the only thing I can hear is, like, blood rushing in my ears and, like, my heartbeat. And I was like, man, I should really not be here. Like, mm-hmm. something really bad is happening. I don't know why I'm still here. But I think me just being, like, a dumb idiot teenager, like, not being, like, scared of anything, I was <laughs> like, I have to know now. I've already made it to the tree. I, I got to see. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, take a step start going around the tree to look and I pop out on the side and there's nothing there. Right. I was dead certain that there was smoke coming up from this. I, I knew the fire pit was going on, uh, but there was nothing like literally like cold. There was still like two inches of snow in this pit, right? There was no fire, nothing. And at this point I'm like sweating. I'm like, Oh God, like what's going on? Like there's, I, I can't believe there's nothing here. Like what's going on? And then I notice that the only sound I can hear at this point is like a, a chittering sound. And I, I can never like replicate the sound. I don't know how else to describe it as like chittering, almost like uh, teeth chattering against each other when you're cold and you're shivering. But it's like totally inhuman. I have no idea what the hell is making this noise. And I 
don't see anything, but I can hear this noise. And I'm, I've gone to the point where I'm like almost hyperventilating already. I'm so scared. Never been more scared in my life. No idea what's going on. And I, I whip around behind me. There's nothing there. And I was like, Oh God, like, what is it? Like, there's nothing here in the woods. Like there's nothing. Then I turn around again and I still hear the chittering. There's nothing there. Then I slowly look up at the tree where this fire pit is. And like, I kid you not, like perched up, like perched, like four limbs holding the same branch perched on a low branch is this like a monster. I don't know what else to describe it. It like the skeptic says it's like a meth head or something just like in the woods. But I'm talking like pale skin, like matted hair, tattered clothing, uh, wrong proportions of limb size, like arms the same length as legs because it's like perched up, right? Um, And the face was like just wrong, right? If you told someone, uh, if you like blindfolded someone and told them to like draw a human face, everything would be just like slightly wrong, right? Like all the things would be there. There'd be like an eyes, a nose, a mouth, but it was like everything was just slightly wrong or like positioned was wrong, right? The mouth was too big and too low on the face. The, uh, the nose was too high. The eyes were really like far apart and it just really got to me. And this thing was making this chittering noise, but it wasn't moving at all. And I like looked up at it and I was like trying to make eye contact, but it just stared straight through me. Like I, I like lost it at that point. I had no idea what it was. I was so scared that I, booked it all the way back to my house just like turned tail screaming like just ran like I never had before got to my house let myself in closed the door locked it and I like passed out right and I was so scared of this thing that I uh I'm still like kind of scared of the dark in some ways not like the the turn the light off in the attic I'm scared but I mean like I can't close the blinds in my house that face the woods at night if the sun's already gone down. Cause I like, I can't bear to like look out in the woods. Like I still have that. I'm like 21 years old, almost 22. And I still do that. I'm still scared of the woods behind my house. And it was so terrifying to me that I blocked it from my memory, mm. right? Like growing up, like going through high school, I like just forgot about it. Like I was like so psychologically damaged. I like mm. blocked it out and it didn't come back to me until uh, summer after I graduated high school, I was with, uh, like four friends in Montreal for like celebrating after high school. And we were like drunk lying out like four in the morning, like an Airbnb on the floor. Mm-hmm. And we we're just telling ghost stories. I don't know how it happened. And then like, it all just like came back to me in a flash. Something my friend said, like triggered it and it all came back. And I was like hyperventilating, like crying on the floor. My friends were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it's just like, it all came back to me. And so obviously I got like really obsessed with it, trying to figure out, like figure out what it was. I told some friends uh, and they were all like, oh, it's probably just some crazy guy and like drugs in the middle of the woods. But um, there were just like a lot of similarities to some of the traditional North American lore from my area, like the Great Lakes region and Eastern has like the Wendigo story, which there's like a lot of similarities to what I saw in the traditional lore, like getting lured out away from civilization, especially with like fake fire. Uh, the person or the monster looking extremely malnourished, the proportions being wrong, like the the tattered hair and clothing and the pale skin. And so that really like messed me up. It got to the point though, where like I'd even reached out to uh, like a Canadian university that had like a special, like a, a professor that taught about like Great Lakes region lore. And I like got confirmation that he was like, yeah, it sounds like pretty legit to the story and I was like man that I hate that you said that <laughs> but uh it was crazy um and I still think about that from time to time it's like a big defining moment for me but like not really because I like blocked it out right so I think about that a lot too now when I'm like out in the woods like man hopefully nothing crazy like that happens again but I've had like numerous other like minorly like supernatural wood stories of like getting lost and like getting lured off trails and stuff. So I always keep my head about me now, I guess. Very long-winded, long story, actually. But. So first of all, I was very wrong about <laughs> the woods being like a safe and tranquil place. Oh my gosh. But also, you're such a good storyteller. <laughs> if only this was a video in addition to a podcast, not audio only, because you would have seen like the full shivers and the shocked looks and like the borderline tears. And <laughs> what? 
Oh my gosh. It actually leaves me speechless, but. If you want the, uh, like a PDF of it, I have it typed up. One of my friends uh, from high school, he's at Cornell. He took a, a, a class and elective on uh, mythology and legends. Mm -hmm. And his first assignment was to get like a story, a folktale from back home mm -hmm. from where he's from. And then he couldn't find anything interesting because well, what do we have? We have like the mysterious maybe third writer that wrote with like Paul Revere. It kind of <laughs> sucks. Like no, no offense. It kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. But um, he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, like you want to like tell me that story of that monster again? Because it'll be perfect for my class. So I like, have it typed out and everything, too. So that's why I'm able to recount it so well. Because like just recently, like last semester, at the beginning of last semester, I like typed it out. So... Well, if anyone's interested, I guess, maybe uh, I can ask if we should put it on the CC blog. Oh my gosh. I, I wouldn't be opposed, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> That's unreal, and I fully believe it. Like, I'm, I'm still scared going out in the woods. That's all I gotta say. So, okay, definitely was wrong about the tranquility <laughs> aspect of well, I mean, everything. usually it's nice, you know? Usually, um, like, with friends or, like, you know, walking the mm -hmm. dog kind of thing. It's nice. Whew. Yeah. But no, I... I fully believe that that was an experience that you had. And I, I'm on the, the lore side and not the, like, that was just a person in the trees <laughs> side. <Yeah. laughs> oh, my <sighs> gosh. Yeah, nope. I can't say I've ever <laughs> had an experience like that. Wow. And it's cool that you did some like research, connecting and research yeah. and like another crazy part too um when i studied abroad in venice in 2020 mm -hmm. uh one of the girls i was friends with on the trip she's from like maryland and i told her the story of the bar and she was like pale as a ghost because like and she'd like forgotten it too but her and her older sister when they were like younger had like seen like the same thing when they were like home alone when they uh, when they like live in the woods and i was like wow like yeah, it's pretty crazy that isn't people might not even think to talk about it yeah or like you might have pushed it somewhere because mm -hmm. there could be a ton more people that have had a yeah. similar experience that is so scary <laughs> oh my gosh yeah want to move to a less scary question yes maybe? yes yeah okay Let's see. I'll do a nice, lighthearted one. If you won the lottery, what would be your first big splurge? Oh my gosh. The business part of my brain goes immediately to like very practical things, but the whole point of the question is not to do that. Yeah, like a splurge. Like, it's got to be just something totally unreasonable, unreasonable like out there. And, well, on the topic of skiing, I don't own any gear. I, uh, I've always rented because uh, my parents don't ski. And I was also like growing as a child. Doesn't uh, really make sense to invest. Um, I really want to buy ski gear. Uh, but what else? Like what completely, I mean, I'd probably splurge on a big trip. I'm a very experiential person. Like okay. my list of material wants is like kind of low uh -huh. or at least not that impressive it's like i think this t-shirt looks cool <laughs> it's not really like a big yeah item big ticket <laughs> item per se uh -huh. but like if you win the lottery you probably you know that could sustain you for a, a minute take a trip uh -huh. take a trip i would probably spend it on experiences concert tickets trips so much food like just experiencing yeah. the world yeah that sounds reasonable yeah, traveling that kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. what about you any big ticket items no also like, you dreams? mentioned like move, pushing aside the business stuff because i immediately think like oh you lose so much for the taxes, taxes. Then, like, <laughs> <clears throat> i should probably like store it in a retirement account or like mm -hmm. a fund like a brokerage or something but aside from all that silly real life stuff um, I'd probably buy, like, land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, sounds... And I mean, like, woods, too, in, like, mm -hmm. New Hampshire, which sounds like, after the scary story, is like, you're crazy. <laughs> but, um, 
I'd love to like buy that cabin and have that dream that we talked about at the beginning. Yes, like investing in our cabin dreams. Yeah. You could just buy the cabin. Yeah. And then maybe it's not even a cabin. It's like a nice cabin. Yeah. And then if we're going more like <clears throat> less, even then, right, I still think of like land as an investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not an investment, depreciating asset. I would get like a canoe, right? Like a nice custom canoe. Oh. That's what I would get. Or a kayak. Yeah. Look at us in our outdoor sports and our cabins. Yeah, very and our... outdoor questions. <laughs> what accomplishments are you the most proud of? Oh. They don't have to be like specifically like awards yeah. or anything that's like recognized, but something internally maybe mm. that you just feel happy or proud about. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think something I'm really proud of is kind of tying back to me reflecting on like being more assertive is in high school. I really struggled with like admitting that I needed help from authority figures. Like okay. maybe that's something I should talk to like a professional about. <laughs> but um, like, cause we had to do internships in my high school, which is a whole nother conversation. But I would really struggle to like ask my mentor, my internship mentor, admit that I didn't know how to do something. Cause okay. I figured like they're taking a chance on me. I'm a high schooler. Most interns are college students. Like I don't want to admit that I need help now in college. I don't know what switched in me, but I will cold email anyone and ask them to talk. Mm-hmm. Like literally anyone, Hofstra faculty, people that I admire in the real world, like friends, random people that I strike up a conversation with. Like in class, this girl heard me talking, was like, oh, is this your major? Uh, and we got to talking about job searching Mm -hmm. and I was like, we should just get lunch and talk about our experiences as seniors. Um, so I really have a completely new openness Mm -hmm. to like asking for advice and mentorship has become like a big part of my life. And I even emailed our Edward Freeman who in the world of business, like pioneered stakeholder theory, in the u.s okay. like very big uh leader in management thought i emailed him he still works at a at a university oh wow i emailed him and i asked if we could talk because i had a specific paper of his that i really enjoyed and he said yes wow and we zoomed and on the call he said most people never ask to talk to me he was he was like well sort of in the way of like most people just feel like i wouldn't have the time or i wouldn't be interested Mm -hmm. they have preconceived notions about like how busy he might be or Mm -hmm. his commitments but he fully sat on the call with me and i remember he had like his child's artwork up in the back like totally a chill guy and he ended up sending me his books he was like yeah sure i'll get my assistant to send you over some of my work and i was like what um, so don't be afraid to email because the worst they can do is say, I don't have time. And that's the exact same result you would have had if you didn't email them at all. Yeah. Um, but in high school, I was like, I will never admit that I n- want to ask a question, right. which is a flaw. Well, I'm glad um, to Proud you grew, huh? Thanks. Yeah. Um, what about you? I'm very proud to be where I am in position to my career, my education. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, I was not a very good student in high school. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, I, very uh, disorganized, mm-hmm. we'll say. I didn't do very well. I struggled a lot in math. Uh, sucked at doing my homework on time. Mm-hmm. Crappy GPA, the whole thing. To the point where even when I was like applying to colleges, my parents were worried about my options. Mm. Uh, but I'm here now in mm-hmm. Hofstra. My GPA is pretty good, I guess. It's in a decent spot. Don't let him fool you. It's really strong. <laughs> yeah, I'll say uh, compared to my high school GPA and what I imagined in high school, it's a lot higher than that. I'm very proud of myself for that. Mm-hmm. As I'm proud of myself as well in the same way of, as you for growing. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way I ever would have imagined like having a job lined up, mm-hmm. finishing four years of university, uh, and then like just getting to where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to imagine. And it's so crazy because obviously I only know you from like 
I didn't know you before college, but I've seen you grow here. Uh, but I can't compare it to who you were then. And seeing you now, it's like you're incredibly thoughtful about your work and mm. you're very organized. And you're also a finance major, so it was funny that you were like, oh, math in high yeah. school was my thing. Look at you now. Um, and you're also just like a great friend, like a very thoughtful Thanks. friend too. So so going back to like relationships and outside of work, like mm. um, I didn't know you before then, but you should be proud of who you are as a, a friend and a family member and a student and an employee and all the different facets of like John mm. and who you are now. Well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. And you as well too, because you know what you're saying about uh, where you grew and what you're proud of. I definitely see that in you as well. I think that's how it define you and view you <laughs> in my head. So very, very proud of you for that. Friendship. I love it so much. <laughs> okay. I think we have time for one Final, final question, uh, and John has more. If anyone feels passionately about a round two of this, I would love it because I've had the best time. Okay. Uh, but should we yeah. do uh, like an easy one, or do you want like a t- another tough one? Do what feels right to you. I have what trust feels... in this hot seat process. Okay, I'll I'll give you a choice, and I'll give you two of them because I can't decide. Okay, you can choose. What does it mean to live a good life? Or where do you find meaning in your life? Whoa, I think they go together. Yes, like I lead a good life choose. and find meaning. Yeah. Okay. We'll let's, time together, let's leave the audience with something good, something motivational. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think going back to relationships, yeah, it's with like the people and the experiences that you surround yourself with. There's so much of the world to see and enjoy and there's so many people in the world to meet and enjoy Mm -hmm. and like learn from their experiences and I think this really encapsulates kind of the whole threads of this episode so far in terms of nature and travel and relationships and work Mm -hmm. and defining your passions outside of work it's about finding meaning in the people that you surround yourself with who you are when you look at just yourself without a support system without uh, considering your work, just who you are at your core, and then seeing the world. There's so many conversations to be had and food to eat and uh, people to meet and places to go and woods to walk through safely. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully Um, without incident. And I think it's just about finding the joy in those things mm-hmm. yeah i definitely agree i think uh finding joy like you know sharing that happiness that love mm-hmm. we talked about earlier i think that's definitely how i would view living a good life mm-hmm. also ties in very well with my answer for a legacy mm-hmm. right like just having good people around me mm-hmm. people that will appreciate me for who i am and not needing to feel like I need to do more all the time, but content mm-hmm. with the people around me and who I am. I think it would definitely be core to living a good life. And finding meaning, uh, this is just me maybe, but I find it difficult to live for just myself. Mm-hmm. I always feel like uh, finding meaning and helping other people or being around other people mm-hmm. is where like true happiness is found in mm-hmm. company of others that you love and hold close to. So having good people, surrounding myself with good people, Mm -hmm. and being happy is how I'd answer that. I love that. I feel like it really ties everything together. But should we leave the audience with a challenge? Like, like go write three things that you're grateful for. You're assigning homework now. (laughs) (laughs) Go tell somebody that you love that you love them. Go take Mm -hmm. a walk outside for 15 minutes minimum. Um, any other challenges or things you would encourage people to do? No, I think that's good. Like just telling someone that you love them is good. I had mm-hmm. a, I guess another short story, mm-hmm. a little break, I guess. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when I was like 15, I, uh, I got arrested for breaking the law, for mm-hmm. uh, breaking and entering and trespassing malicious intent. And so I was just throwing that out there from nowhere. <laughs> but, um, I went through a Communities for Restorative Justice program for youth because mm-hmm. I was under 16. And so part of that, I worked with like a, a counselor to talk about like, you know, writing letters of 
amendments and like apologizing and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I had this moment. We were out at like a, a freaking like McDonald's near me, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like supposed to be writing a letter to my parents to uh, to apologize for like my actions. And uh, I guess I just jaded and like not in a good mental state back then. Obviously, was breaking the law. Um, but she like coaxed out of me to just say like in the restaurant that like mom dad like I love you mm-hmm. just to my parents and it totally killed me I was like sobbing and like crying mm-hmm. in uh, this like random McDonald's near my house and just like writing this letter just to write the line like mom and dad like I love you mm-hmm. and that just like totally just like tore me apart mm-hmm. but I like I remember it so clearly right because I grew so much from that experience mm-hmm. just being able to say like I love you and like to be thankful mm-hmm. definitely helped me grow a lot as a person and improve my outlook on life. Mm-hmm. So be thankful to people around you. Just yeah. give thanks. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on the CCNE podcast. And I hope we can bring you back. So, everybody, please uh, connect with us on social media. Reach out if you want to hear more of John, see John's uh, story on the CCE blog, stay in touch with us. You can see more conversations like this. Uh, And thanks for joining us today, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. the questions, I think, ended up being pretty good. I loved it. So, <laughs> so thank you for preparing those as well. Yeah. Uh, and this is Bella and John signing out of the hot seat. Yeah. For now. For now. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in continuing the conversation and learning more about Hofstra's Center for Civic Engagement, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hofstra CCE or visit our website at hofstra.edu slash cce. The beautiful music you've heard in this episode was written and composed by Ethan Tauber. The song even features the chords C, C, and E. We hope you join us again to discuss combating more of our world's most pressing challenges. And thank you for helping us spill the tea.